0: section sixty two of a popular history of france volume five this librivox recording is in the public domain a popular history of france from the earliest times volume five by francois guizot translated by robert black chapter forty seven louis the fourteenth and religion part three the peace of ryswick had not brought the protestants the hoped-for alleviation of their woes louis the fourteenth haughtily rejected the petition of the english and dutch plenipotentiaries on behalf of quote, those in affliction who ought to have their share in the happiness of europe quote. the persecution everywhere continued with determination and legality in the north with violence and passion in the south abandoned to the tyranny of m de lamoignon de beville a crafty and cold-bloodedly cruel politician without the excuse of any zealous religious conviction the execution of several ministers who had remained in hiding in the Cévennes, or had returned from exile to instruct and comfort their flocks, raised to the highest pitch the enthusiasm of the reformers of Languedoc. Deprived of their highly prized assemblies and of their pastor's guidance, men and women, greybeards and children, all at once fancied themselves animated by the spirit of prophecy young girls had celestial visions the little peasant lasses poured out their utterances in french sometimes in the language and with the sublime eloquence of the bible sole source of their religious knowledge the rumour of these marvels ran from village to village meetings were held to hear the inspired maidens in contempt of edicts the galleys and the stake a gentleman glass-worker named abraham de la serre was as it were the samuel of this new school of prophets in vain did m de baville have three hundred children imprisoned at Uz and then send them to the galleys the religious contagion was too strong for the punishments Quote, women found themselves in a single day husbandless childless houseless and penniless says Cour. they remained immovable in their pious ecstasy the assemblies multiplied the troops which had so long occupied languedoc had been summoned away by the war of succession in spain the militia could no longer restrain the reformers growing every day more enthusiastic through the prophetic hopes which were born of their long sufferings the archpriest of the cevennes Abbe du chaillat a tyrannical and cruel man had undertaken a mission at the head of the Capuchins. his house was crammed with condemned protestants the breath of revolt passed over the mountains on the night of july twenty seventh seventeen o two the castle of the archpriest was surrounded by huguenot in arms who demanded the surrender of the prisoners du chaillat refused the gates were forced, the condemned released. the priests who happened to be in the house killed or dispersed. The archpriest had let himself down by a window. he broke his thigh, he was found hiding in a bush. The castle was in flames. Quote, no mercy, no mercy, shouted the madman. The spirit willeth that he die. End quote. Every one of the Huguenots stabbed the poor wretch with their poniards. Quote, that's for my father, broken on the wheel, that's for my brother sent to the galleys. That's for my mother, who died of grief that's for my relations in exile." He received fifty-two wounds. Next day the Cévennes were everywhere in revolt. A prophet named Seguier was at the head of the insurrection. He was soon made prisoner. Quote, "'How dost thou expect me to treat thee?' asked his judge. Quote, "'As I would have treated thee had I caught thee,' answered the prophet. He was burned alive in the public square of pont de Montvert, a mountain burg. "'Where do you live?' he had been asked at his examination. Quote, "'In the desert,' he replied, "'and soon in heaven.'" he exhorted the people from the midst of the flames the insurrection went on spreading quote, say not what can we do we are so few we have no arms said another prophet named laporte the lord of hosts is our strength we will intone the battle psalms and from the Lozère to the sea israel shall rise and as for arms have we not our axes they will beget muskets the plain rose like the mountain baron saint Com, an early convert and colonel of the militia was assassinated near Beauvais murders multiplied the priests were especially the object of the revolter's vengeance they assembled under the name of children of god and marched under the command of two chiefs one named roland who formerly served under catinat and the other a young man wiles a baker and wiles a shepherd who was born in the neighbourhood of Anduz, and whose name has remained famous john cavalier was barely eighteen when m de baville launched his brother-in-law the count of brely with a few troops upon the revolted Cévenol the Catholic peasants called them Camisards, the origin of which name has never been clearly ascertained. M. de Broglie was beaten. The insurrection, which was entirely confined to the populace, disappeared all at once in the woods and rocks of the country, to burst once more unexpectedly upon the troops of the King. The great name of Lamoignon shielded Baville. Chamillard had for a long while concealed from Louis Fourteenth the rising in the Savene. He never did know all its gravity. Quote, it is useless said madame de maintenon for the king to trouble himself with all the circumstances of this war it would not cure the mischief and would do him much quote, take care wrote chamillard to Baville, on superseding the count of Broglie by marshal montrevel not to give this business the appearance of a serious war quote. the rumour of the insurrection in languedoc however began to spread in europe conflagrations murders executions in cold blood or in the heat of passion crimes on the part of the insurgents, as well as cruelties on the part of judges and generals, succeeded one another uninterruptedly, without the military authorities being able to crush a revolt that it was impossible to put down by terror or punishments. Quote, I take it for a fact, said a letter to Chamillard from M. de Julien, an able captain of Irregulars, lately sent into Languedoc to aid the Count of Broglie, that there are not in this district forty who are real converts, and are not entirely on the side of the Camisards. I include in that number females as well as males, and the mothers and daughters would give the more striking proofs of their fury if they had the strength of the men. I will say but one word more, which is that the children who were in their cradles at the time of the general conversions, as well as those who were four or five years old, are now more Huguenots than the fathers. Nobody, however, has set eyes upon any minister. How then comes it that they are so Huguenots? because the fathers and mothers brought them up in those sentiments all the time they were going to Mass. You may rely upon it that this will continue for many generations." M. de Julien came to the conclusion that the proper way was to put to the sword all the Protestants of the country districts, and burn all the villages. M. de Baville protested, It is not a question of exterminating these people, he said, but of reducing them, of forcing them to fidelity. The King must have industrious people and flourishing districts preserved to him. The opinion of the generals prevailed. The Cévenol were proclaimed outlaws, and the Pope decreed a crusade against them. The military and religious enthusiasm of the Camisards went on increasing. Cavalier, young and enterprising, divided his time between the boldest attempts at surprise and mystical ecstasies, during which he singled out traitors who would have assassinated him, or sinners who were not worthy to take part in the Lord's Supper. The King's troops ravaged the country. The Camisards, by way of reprisal, burned the Catholic villages. Everywhere the war was becoming horrible. The peaceable inhabitants, Catholic or Protestant, were incessantly changing from wrath to terror. Cavalier, naturally sensible and humane, sometimes sank into despondency. He would fling himself on his knees, crying, Lord, turn aside the King from following the counsels of the wicked, and then he would set off again upon a new expedition. The struggle had been going on for two years, and Languedoc was a scene of fire and bloodshed. Marshal Montrevel had gained great advantages when the king ordered Villard to put an end to the revolt. Quote, I made up my mind, writes Villard in his memoirs, to try everything, to employ all sorts of ways except that of ruining one of the finest provinces in the kingdom, and that if I could bring back the offenders without punishing them, I should preserve the best soldiers there are in the kingdom. They are, said I to myself, Frenchmen, very brave and very strong, three qualities to be considered. Quote, I shall always, he adds, have two ears for two sides. "'We have to do here with a very extraordinary people,' wrote the Marshal to Chamillard soon after his arrival. "'It is a people unlike anything I ever knew, all alive, turbulent, hasty, susceptible of light as well as deep impressions, tenacious in its opinions. Add thereto zeal for religion, which is as ardent amongst heretics as Catholics, and you will no longer be surprised that we should be often very much embarrassed. There are three sorts of Camisards. the first with whom we might arrange matters by reason of their being weary of the miseries of war. The second, stark mad on the subject of religion, absolutely intractable on that point, the first little boy or little girl that falls a-trembling and declares that the Holy Spirit is speaking to it, all the people believe it, and if God with all his angels were to come and speak to them they would not believe them more. People, moreover, on whom the penalty of death makes not the least impression. In battle they thank those who inflict it upon them. They walk to execution singing the praises of God and exhorting those present insomuch that it has often been necessary to surround the criminals with drums to prevent the pernicious effect of their speeches finally the third people without religion accustomed to pillage to murder to quarter themselves upon the peasants a rascalry furious fanatical and swarming with prophetesses villars had arrived in languedoc the day after the checks encountered by the camisards the despondency and suffering were extreme and the marshal had cavalier sounded what do you want to lay down your arms said the envoy quote, three things replied the seven chief liberty of conscience the release of our brethren detained in the prisons and the galleys and if these demands are refused permission to quit france with ten thousand persons the negotiators were entrusted with the most flattering offers for cavalier sensible and yet vain moved by his country's woes and flattered by the idea of commanding a king's regiment the young camisard allowed himself to be won he repaired formally to Nîmes for an interview with the marshal Quote, he is a peasant of the lowest grade wrote villard de chamillard who is not twenty-two and does not look eighteen short and with no imposing air qualities essential for the lower orders but surprising good sense and firmness i asked him yesterday how he managed to keep his followers under is it possible said i that at your age and not being long used to command you found no difficulty in often ordering to death your own men no sir said he when it seemed to me just But whom did you employ to inflict it? The first whom I ordered, and nobody ever hesitated to follow my orders. I fancy, sir, that you will consider this rather surprising. Furthermore, he shows great method in the matter of his supplies, and he disposes his troops for an engagement as well as very experienced officers could do. It is a piece of luck if I get such a man away from them." Cavalier's fellows began to escape from his sway. They had hoped for a while that they would get back that liberty for which they had shed their blood. Quote, they are permitted to have public prayer and chant their psalms. No sooner was that known all round, writes Villard, than behold my madmen rushing up from burgs and castles in the neighbourhood, not to surrender, but to chant with the rest. The gates were closed. They leaped the walls and forced the guards. It is published abroad that I have indefinitely granted free exercise of the religion. The bishops let the marshal be. Quote, Stuff we our ears, said the bishop of Narbonne, and make we an end. end the Camisard refused to listen to Cavalier. Quote, "'Thou art mad,' said Roland. "'Thou hast betrayed thy brethren. Thou shouldst die of shame. Go tell the Marshal that I am resolved to remain sword in hand until the entire and complete restoration of the Edict of Nantes.'" The Sevenoil thought themselves certain of aid from England. Only a handful followed Cavalier, who remained faithful to his engagements. He was ordered with his troop to Alsace. He slipped away from his watchers and threw himself into Switzerland. At the head of a regiment of refugees he served successively the Duke of Savoy, the States General, and England. He died at Chelsea in 1740, the only one amongst the Camisards to leave a name in the world. The insurrection still went on in Languedoc under the orders of Roland, who was more fanatical and more disinterested than Cavalier. He was betrayed and surrounded in the castle of Castelnau on the 16th of August, 1704. Roland just had time to leap out of bed and mount his horse. He was taking to flight with his men by a back door when a detachment of dragoons came up with him. The Camisard chief put his back against an old olive and sold his life dearly. When he fell, his lieutenants let themselves be taken, quote-unquote, like lambs, beside his corpse. They were destined to serve as examples, writes Villard, but the manner in which they met death was more calculated to confirm their religious spirit in these wrong heads than to destroy it lieutenant Mai was a fine young man of wits above the common he heard his sentence with a smile passed through the town of Nîmes with the same air begging the priest not to plague him the blows dealt him did not alter this air in the least and did not elicit a single exclamation his arms broken he still had strength to make signs to the priest to be off and as long as he could speak he encouraged the others that made me think that the quickest death is always best with these fellows, and that their sentence should, above all things, bear reference to their obstinacy in revolt rather than in religion. Villars did not carry executions to excess, even in the case of the most stubborn. Little by little the chiefs were killed off in petty engagements, or died in obscurity of their wounds. Provisions were becoming scarce, the country was wasted, submission became more frequent every day. The principals all demanded leave to quit France. Quote, there are left none but a few brigands in the upper cevennes says villard some partial risings alone recalled up to seventeen o nine the fact that the old leven still existed the war of the Camisards was over it was the sole attempt in history on the part of french protestantism since richelieu a strange and dangerous effort made by an ignorant and savage people roused to enthusiasm by persecution believing itself called upon by the spirit of god to win sword in hand the freedom of its creed under the leadership of two shepherd soldiers and prophets only the scottish cameronians have presented the same mixture of warlike ardour and pious enthusiasm more gloomy and fierce with the men of the north more poetical and prophetical with the sevenoles flowing in scotland as in languedoc from religious oppression and from constant reading of the holy scriptures the silence of death succeeded everywhere in france to the plaints of the reformers and to the crash of arms louis the fourteenth might well suppose that protestantism in his dominions was dead it was a little before the time when the last of the camisards abraham mazel and clarisse perished near use in seventeen ten that the king struck the last blow at jansenism by destroying its earliest nest and its last refuge the house of the nuns of port royal des champs with truces and intervals of apparent repose the struggle had lasted more than sixty years between the jesuits and jansenism m de st cyran who left the bastille a few months after the death of richelieu had dedicated the last days of his life to writing against protestantism being so much the more scared by the heresy in that perhaps he felt attracted thereto by a secret affinity he was already dying when there appeared the book frequent communion by m arnaud the youngest son and twentieth child of that illustrious family of arnaud in whom jansenism seemed to be personified the author was immediately accused at rome and buried himself for twenty years in retirement m de st cyran was still working dictating christian thoughts and points touching death Stuntemori mori portet, or one should die in harness he would say on the third of october sixteen forty three he succumbed suddenly in the arms of his friends Quote, i cast my eyes upon the body which was still in the same posture in which death had left it writes and I thought it so full of majesty, and of mien so dignified, that I could not tire of admiring it, and I fancied that he would still have been capable, in the state in which he was, of striking with awe the most passionate of his foes had they seen him." End quote. It was the most cruel blow that could have fallen upon the pious nuns of Port-Royal. Dominus Insoello, or Lord in Heaven, End quote, was all that was said by mother Angelica Arnaud, who, like M. de Saint-Syrant himself, centred all her thoughts and all her affections upon eternity. End of section 62.